This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It's 8.36 a.m. You're listening to The Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mokhtar with Chong Jen Sun and Wong Xiaoning. In half an hour, we have the opening bell where we check how Bursa Malaysia begins the trading day. Um, our next segment, though, is sponsored by the letters BNPL. According to a report released last year by Research and Markets, the Malaysia Buy Now Pay Later BNPL market is expected to have a compounded annual growth rate of 35% between 20. 2022 and 2028. The BNPL gross merchandise value is also likely to reach close to 30 billion ringgit by 2028. This rapid rise of BNPL, along with recent headlines of rising debt levels, especially among the youth, has caused industry observers to be concerned, with many calling for the government to quickly regulate the industry over concerns that some borrowers will go into debt and may not be able to pay off in time as they already have other commitments such as car or housing loan payments. Meanwhile, the government is currently working on a regulatory framework via the Consumer Credit Act, which will cover this BNPL, though few details have been revealed. Now, this is seen as a timely initiative, but will it be enough to protect the vulnerable from falling deeper into the debt trap? And how should the regulation work? And what are the key issues it has to address? For some thoughts on this, we have on the line with us Datuk Paul Selvaraj, CEO of the Federation of Malaysian Consumers Associations, FOMCA. Datuk, good morning. Thank you very much for joining us. Let's start with getting a bit of context into how serious the issue of BNPL is. Uh, it's still a pretty naive um area in Malaysia, um, but uh, what are your observations of how this is being implemented and adopted? I think BNPL, as I mentioned, is a growing industry. Uh, currently, it has not been captured in household debt or EKPT or bankruptcy data. But as I mentioned, with, with expected merchandise of $30 billion, you'd expect a lot of consumers. Uh, yet, uh, in a survey by Ringgit Plus, uh, 41% of young Malaysians are already using BNPL services. So that is a serious concern. Uh, and in uh, another study by UCSI, it found that uh, 73% of young workers uh, had debts that they could not pay their financial commitments. Uh, BNPL is only going to add to this uh, because uh, the issues are, of course, things like uh, hidden terms, uh, where you, you're not know how, where you have to pay administration costs. I think one of the biggest issues is late payment charges, uh, exorbitant penalties. And I think the biggest concern is overspending. Eh? BNPL sort of uh, underestimates what you're actually spending. And considering that, you know, almost 60% of those declared bankrupt were below the age of 44. And at AKPK, 51% were below the age of 40. Uh, I think BNPL is of great concern as far as uh, Malaysian financial well-being, especially of young workers are concerned. Mm. And Dr. Paul, the concern is, of course, on unfair or predatory practices that often target vulnerable households and small business consumers. Do you have uh, more examples of how prevalent these practices are? Uh, certainly. I mean, we have consumers who have come to us and taken this BNPL thing. Now, firstly, they always tell you that there's no interest. Uh, but uh, if you're late, then your penalties are quite exorbitant. Huh? Penalties are quite exorbitant. Sometimes there are hidden administrative charges. But I think our biggest concern is that uh, BNPL uh, promotes excessive spending. And in a situation where especially young workers are already deeply in debt, I think this is only going to make the situation worse. That, that's our concern. 
Okay, and the government is working on a re- regulatory framework, excuse me, to consolidate the credit industry via the enactment of the Consumer Credit Act. BNPL is expected to be covered under this framework under Phase 1. Not much has been revealed, but perhaps you can share with us how do you think BNPL players here should be regulated? Uh, firstly, this issue of BNPL, I mean, it's quite new in Malaysia, but it's actually a global problem. And the Consumer International has already come out with guidelines uh, on how BNPL should be regulated. So these are some of our suggestions, I mean, based on what other countries are trying to do also. In almost every developed country, there's a move towards greater regulation because of the harsh negative effect on consumer debt. Yeah? Now, firstly, I think all BNPL players must be registered. Today, actually, you walk around, you can see and even small shops offering BNPL, uh, gyms offering BNPL. And if they're not registered, uh, they, they, then, you know, regulation, there'll be difficulty in, in, in relation playing an important uh, impact. So to streamline regulation as well as to ensure that uh, later consumers can have redress, all BNPL must be registered and only registered, BN, only registered uh, companies can undertake BNPL schemes. Uh, secondly, um, BNPL must be treated as any other form of credit. I mean, currently we, we regulate credit card, we regulate pawnbroking, you know. So there should be a cap on fees, uh, on charges, and especially late payments. Uh, there should be someone who has to make sure that, you know, those charges are reasonable. Huh? Uh, in related to this, there should be restrictions on uh, unrestricted marketing as well as attention to privacy issues. Third very critical issues is the issue of affordability. Can a consumer afford to make a purchase? So there should be some level of credit checking and uh, affordability assessments to ensure that consumers can truly afford to mm. participate in the BNPL scheme. Mm. Uh, fourthly, you know, if there is some problem between consumer and uh, and the seller, there must be some redress system. Mm. Uh, currently, there is no redress system, so that that gives the suppliers a lot of advantage. And finally, of course, the terms and conditions must be fair and just to consumers. And you know, the conditions must be visible so that it's simply understood so that consumers can make an informed choice before making a purchase. Mm. So, Dato, you laid out a couple of very valid recommendations that uh, the regulator could look into in order to make sure that uh, BNPL is um, supervised and that there's enough oversight on it. But I do also want to look at the other side of the equation, and that's really on consumers and, I guess, the financial literacy um, aspect of it. Uh, I mean, do you think that the lack of financial education among Malaysians is part of why we have this huge household debt issue at the moment? And how should should we address this? Certainly, yeah. I mean, I think there are two, two areas. One is the role of the regulator and, of course, the role of consumers. And to enable consumers to play their role, I think we, we although we have a national financial literacy strategy, I think more needs to be done. And the data from, you know, from various agencies, for example, uh, Asian Financial Center found that uh, 75% workers had debt, 70% actually admitted to living beyond their means. On our own research, 47% of young workers were excessively over-indebted. Now, EFC has also made an interesting observation. They compared those with low knowledge, financial knowledge, and high financial knowledge under consumption. And they clearly found that, you know, those with high knowledge saved and invested more, whereas those with low financial knowledge invested and saved less. In fact, there's a lot of research that clearly shows that financial knowledge and financial behaviors related and I think by empowering consumers to financial education, 
I think it's going a long way, not only on BNPL, but on, on, on issues of savings, on better management of credit, on investment and things like that. Financial education has a crucial role in empowering consumers uh, to manage their finances responsibly. And Dr. Paul, recently Bank Negara Malaysia also came out to warn the public to carefully study terms and conditions of Shopee's S-Loan for sellers, which is a loan service offered by Shopee for its sellers. Does this indicate that Malaysians don't read the fine print or are such loans just too easily available? I think let's be honest, most of us don't read the fine print. We just sign where you're supposed to sign. Okay? And this is not, of course, just a Malaysian phenomenon, it's a global phenomenon. But having said that, uh, I think what is more important is that, you know, uh, we have always insisted that when we get into loan agreements like this, whatever loan agreements, the, the key terms should be visible and made simple to understand. I mean, the fine print can be in some kind of legalese that none of us understand anyway. So when a consumer wants to make a decision, the key factors, for example, interest rate, consequences, and all that has to be visible and easily understood and, and you know, uh, and in, in a form that, you know, it, it sort of attracts attention to say, look, this is what you're getting into. Think carefully before you decide. Transparency is not enough. We need to make sure that consumers understand and can use that information to make decisions. Okay, Dato, in the minute that we have left, what would you like to see in Budget 2023 that's soon to be tabled this Friday? What's on Formcast wish list? Two things. One is, I think consumers are suffering, yeah? So bring down cost of living should be crucial. On food, housing, healthcare, public transport, child services. And secondly, I hope that the government will pursue an aggressive the consumer education and financial education strategy to empower consumers to face these challenging times. Uh, that's from Cast Wish. Datuk Paul, thank you very much for speaking with us. That was Datuk Paul Selvaraj, CEO of the Federation of Malaysian Consumers Associations, better known as FOMCA, talking to us about what he'd like to see or how he'd like to see the BNPL sector regulated, as well as capping the conversation with just some thoughts on Budget 2023 coming up on Friday. Yeah, and the importance of financial literacy should be made a subject in school, right? Starting from the very young. And we progress because... Financial literacy gets more complicated as we get older, so it should be like any other subject. I feel like there's a very rudimentary teaching of accounts during Kemahiran Hidop back when I was in school, but uh, it doesn't really go very much more beyond that. And I think in today's very sophisticated financial environment, there's a lot that can be taught um, to students on how they can manage their accounts and finances. Yeah, and the consequences, uh, if you don't, right? I mean, just just referring to EPS data, what, 3% of us only have enough funds to retire comfortably, and that's a very scary figure. And Dato Paul mentioned on BNPL, it's still um, it's in very initi- it's still nascent, right? But the fact is, let's not wait for it to become a problem before we actually have the guidelines and framework uh, in order to uh, keep this in check. Uh, Eight forty-seven in the morning. We're going to head into some messages, but when we come back, we'll discuss the latest proposed regulations on crypto with analysis from Chong Yang Chan, head of research at Coin Gecko. Stay tuned. BFM eighty-nine point nine. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.